I want to read to you a, a story from the Bible that you all probably know. And if you, want to, if you want to follow along or find another version, you can pull out your phone and you can, you can Google it. You can, you can look it up. It's going to be up on the screen um, as well. So this is from Luke chapter 10. I know, I didn't want the children's message to be over either. <laughs> so here this is from Luke chapter 10. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? Jesus replied. How do you read it? And the man answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus said. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? So who knows what's coming next? What's the story called? Good Samaritan. Good Samaritan. In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law, the lawyer, replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. So I want to ask you, in relationship to the title of the message today, which is reimagine, it's up on the screen, reimagine generosity, in that story, what do you think I should talk about? What? Generosity of the Samaritan. Okay? Do you remember, do you remember w- w- what he did? Tell me, tell me what you heard and what he did. He took care of the man, took him to the inn, told him to take care of him, that he would reimburse uh, the innkeeper for whatever expenses he had. Okay, so he took him, he bandaged him up, he put oil and, 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 and took care of his wounds, took him to an inn, paid for paid, gave the innkeeper some money, and then said, I'll, I'll, take, care of, I'll take care of whatever, whatever other expenses you have when I come back. So it's interesting. I'd, never, I'd, I'd always been very focused on the Good Samaritan about who, who the Samaritans are and all of that, and, we're, and I'm not going to go into that today. Not very much, anyway. But I want to go into the generosity piece. Because Generosity equals vulnerability. When we are generous, it makes us a little bit vulnerable. 
We're, we're opening ourselves up to feel something or to do something. When we're generous with our time and maybe we go do something for someone else, we're opening ourselves up to a relationship with them that may or may not work out. It's a vulnerable position to be in. So in this story, the Samaritan, who they were supposed to be these despicable people, the Jews, you know, they were, Samaritans and Jews are sort of half cousins. Samaritans were the ones left over, left in the, in, in the promised land after um, the Jews had been exiled at one time. They were the ones who stayed. And so then when, when, when the Jews, when the rest of the Jews were able to come back, they were estranged because they, they had begun to practice things differently, and so they hated each other. You weren't supposed to be in the presence. They would, they would go around the land of Samaria, Jews would. They wouldn't even travel through the land where the Samaritans lived. It's like I'm sure at one time, you know, and maybe still today, there are Northsiders who, you know, they go around the South Side. Right? I'm not even going that, that, to that place. Dogtown or, you know, all these names that we, it's so interesting, like, wouldn't even go through the land that the Samaritans want. So here, so this, so the Samaritan has no reason to be generous at all. Jesus doesn't name that this is a Jewish man, but it says a Jewish man went down, or a man went down. We, we, we sort of make the assumption it was a Jewish man who was, who was robbed, who was hurt. Samaritan had no reason to help him. It's a dangerous road. The road between um, Jerusalem and Jericho, not very long, but, but, but very treacherous. And so he's hurt, and so he, he tends to him, and then he takes him to the inn. And it says he gave him two denarii. And I always, uh, my, my thing always was, what I was taught was that two, uh, two denarii was like, was like, a denarii was like a day's wage. As I was reading through this, um, through this, this time and studying this, the, a couple of folks that I read said two denarii would have been enough to provide for two months, two months worth of lodging. So let's just do a little math, modern day math. Let's make it simple. $100 a night hotel, 60 days. What's the math? $6,000. Spent on someone that he just picked up along the side of the road. And then he says, and whatever, whatever other expense, when I come back, I'll take care of it. Wow. I mean, he really opened himself up to, I mean, to be generous. I mean... We don't know if he was a rich man, a poor man. We don't know anything about the Samaritan other than he's a Samaritan. And that he, gave, he did this generous act that made him very vulnerable. Because who knows, this, this other man could have taken advantage of him, right? I mean, I'm sure that's where our minds go. Oh my gosh, he's going to be ordering room service every day. <laughs> you know? He's going he's gonna, to you know, have him come and change the bedclothes twice a day, you know? going to order himself up a new suit and charge it to the room. It makes himself really vulnerable in his generosity. 
That's why for most of us, I think we, we like writing checks. We like writing checks. Well, some of us like writing checks. Because really only um, Presbyterians on the whole give about 1% of their income away. Presbyterians on the whole give about 1% of their income away. I'm going to say it one more time. Presbyterians as a whole give about 1% of their income away. Wow, we are generous. Not very much. If that makes you feel a little guilty, good. Because it makes me feel guilty too. It's sort of shameful that, in my mind, um, that the people who believe that God has blessed us with more than enough give so little back into our churches, into our communities. And I'm not talking about you specifically. I mean, there are lots of people in this room that I know that are incredibly vulnerable and generous. But it ought to cause us to think, what does, it, what does it mean to reimagine generosity? In the Old Testament, I love this story. They're getting ready to build, basically, um, the tent of meeting. They're getting ready to build this movable sanctuary. And it's described in detail. And so they, they've got they, they, to have gold for the lampstands. And they've got to have wood for the altar. And they've got to have, um, and they and they've got to have fabric for the tent, and they've got to have poles for that, and they've got to have linen for the priests. So you can just just imagine, just imagine the undertaking that that this has to be for a people that are on the move. You know, they're not they're not living in a house, in a stable position where they've got jobs, and the income's coming in. And so Moses, you know, gets all the gets all the, the the people who can do the work, gets them gets them together and gets them going on the project, the, the craftsmen, the craftspeople, and, and he invites and he invites the people to start giving their offerings. And and I don't know that this has ever happened before in a Presbyterian church, but it happened with it happened here with Moses. Do you remember what he says? Stop. Stop giving. We have enough, and in, the, and, and, and in a couple of times it says, and more than enough. Stop bringing your offerings. Wouldn't that be fantastic? I would love on you know, November 13th to send out an email after we've made our annual commitments to, you know, to to the church and to the ministries and the missions that we want to do. And, and, and I'd love to be able to send out an email and say, listen, folks, stop giving your offering. We have enough and more than enough. And what that means is that if you give us permission, we're going to be able to do more in this community. We're going to be able to make ourselves even more vulnerable because we're going to be able to touch more people's lives with hope and with grace, with love and with the salvation of God. What does it mean to reimagine a generosity that calls out your vulnerability, not just financially, 
but with your time and your talents as well? What would it mean to reimagine a generosity that gives all? Because we don't own any of it anyway. In John 15, it says, There's no greater love than for someone to lay down their life for a friend. No greater love than to lay down one's life for a friend, to give it, to give all for a friend. And we know that Jesus was making reference to himself. And then he says, because, you know, you are no longer servants, you're now my friends. And so he's getting ready to lay down his life. But here's the secret of the gospel, which isn't a secret, is that Jesus laid down his life not just for his friends, but for the whole world. For all those who were alive then, for all those who were to come. He gave himself with a generosity that was so vulnerable, he died for it. And God said, this is so holy. This is so much the way I want you to be. I'm going to raise you from the dead in order to show people their their redemption has been given in this complete way. So today, I just encourage you to re-examine generosity. What does it mean to be a people who believe that everything we have and everything we are, our gifts, our skills, our experiences, the opportunities that we've walked into, the ability to do the hard work that we've done to receive the riches that we have, to be a people that understand the generosity of God so much that we are willing to give, to give sacrificially. Not just by writing a check, but of our time and our talents. To shift our life to reflect what we, the reason why we exist, which is to love God, to enjoy God, and to love our neighbor. What if you reimagine generosity based on the generosity that you have been given and you gave thanks by giving out of that generosity in the name of Jesus, the one who gave his life, not just for his friends, but for the whole world. May this question about your generosity about our generosity. May it trouble you. May it disturb you a little bit. May it cause you to think a little bit more deeply about your faith and about who Christ is for you. May it challenge you. But may it also connect you more and more with God. May it connect you more and more with God, with a deeper kind of faith that opens you up to a gratitude and a grace and a salvation that wraps up your whole life with joy and with hope and the promise of living that new life in Christ. Amen.